This is Rega Matrix America. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com, joined as always by Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, and we're going to be talking about uh, several different topics. Probably going to be talking a lot about the Eagles, though, because the Rugby World Cup qualifiers are coming up, uh, two-game leg against Uruguay in Uruguay for one, and then back in Atlanta for the second one. And that's something that's always important is to check to see if the USA can make it into the Rugby World Cup. But before we get going on that, guys, I have a question for you, and, it, and, it's, and it's really just sort of an opinion thing, whether, whether you think it's right or not. But um, I've been writing a lot about the Division I club championships or or seasons over the the last several weeks and uh, and how they've changed the the league and everything like that. And one one of the things that's come up is uh, the fact that the the division USA Rugby had is of of eight conferences sending a champion, each sending a champion to the national quarterfinals kind of fell apart because they really only had seven conferences and at least one of those conferences is is kind of a joke because there's only three teams in it, but. Um, the, the thing that's come up is that Life University has now has a plan. This is something that Life wanted, and then we heard that they weren't going to get it and things like that. But now Life University, which has no conference to play in, nobody wants to be part of Life's uh, conference, so they're all alone. They get to play in by playing the number two team from the Northeast. Um, and simply put, without getting into a whole thing about how USA Rugby screwed this entire thing, is that a good idea? Is that is that right? Should uh, clubs be annoyed at that, or is that good? It's good. They should be able to play. I'm all about inclusion. They're the best team in Division One, uh, most likely. Uh, Bruce might have something to argue about that, but uh, I think absolutely they should be included, and a team of their caliber should not be left holding the bag because nobody wants to play them. I'd say the same about Puget Sound. I, this is how USA Rugby handled it, has created a farce and a disgrace. And, um, you know, the Eastern teams and Puget Sound have to get their act together, and, and USA Rugby really destroyed it. And so life has a uh, – I mean, life's a good team. They have a legitimate – they have a legitimate gripe to want to be – in a competition that's not there shouldn't be anything held against them well, for that. well the only the thing that's being held against them is essentially they were they're the best team in the south so much so that there's no one there who wants to be in a league with them new orleans uh and nobody can blame them for this new orleans switched and said we're you know geographically we're better off playing the texas team so we'll just join that conference good for them but life is all alone and and you can't penalize a team for being a good team in hey, a in a in a geographically isolated area. Hey, look, life just beat Boston sixty-seven to five, or some sixty-two to five, and Boston lost to Old Blue twenty to twelve. So there is a clear, clear difference between the uh, you know the the possible second place team in Northeast and life. So I, there's almost not even a reason to have them play them. And what's the use of wasting that money for? 
I'm mean, seriously. That that's a four. Well, so that, that's that's to save face because you have to play. I know. I'm not saying players. you can't give them. A, oh, it, right, but that's, that's it's a save face, but it's, yeah. it's a fifteen thousand dollars a saving face. Again, USA Rugby has no problem telling people how to spend money. This is their pro. This is the reason nobody wants to deal with these idiots. Uh, oh, Seattle Puget Sound Beach is in the same boat, except that they don't want to to do a play-in at least at the moment because they're uh, they're in the British Columbia Division One trying to which get is, which is essentially Division Two, which is essentially Division Two. So let's um, like we gotta that, see. We also have to be clear about that that Division One and Division. They call Division One the same as we do. There was a Super League in Division One. It's a right. second tier. And the other thing is, I mean, Hader told me years ago, their clubs are not as good as our clubs. Their provinces are, which is the exact same thing that the Ontario guys said to the AC in life. Yep. That the clubs are not as good, but the provinces are. So Puget Sound should play in to something in in the U.S. I mean, it's their choice. Everybody has their own choice. They well, but free. what what they what uh, they so, want what they want to do is get promotion to the Premiership, the top, the top league in BC because they fought oh, to I get totally there, get and that's what they want to do. But once they get in there and they do that next year, they go in. We have we have a uh, uh, a PRP, an ARP, and maybe even an MRP, and uh, you know one of them might want to have Puget Sound in it. That would be nice. I think Puget Sound would be in. You know what? It's basically what's going to happen is they're going to go from winning by 50 and 60 every week to winning by 15 and 20 every week. That's going to be the only difference. Um, Hey, look. Like I said, it was destroyed. We talked about it. There's this. It's clear. It was a it was a conscious effort to destroy it. It was conscious. It was consciously done. And now they're paying the price. And ideally, these teams play. They need to play each other. That's the bottom line. They need to play each other. Of course they have to be in. All right. Just a quick little thing. I thought it was interesting because it came up this week. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come right back here on Rugga Matrix America. Hey, everybody. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. And I want to ask you a question. When was the last time your team took a tour? You remember how fun it was, you know, the games against teams you'd never seen before, experiencing a new culture, the camaraderie, and team bonding. It was great. Wait, you haven't been on a tour? Well, maybe you should. Irish Rugby Tours has been involved with American rugby since 1985. Owner George Hook offers a personal and dedicated approach to all tours. He wants to make sure you play competitive games, see the sights, and enjoy every minute of your trip. From high schools to clubs and from colleges to the U.S. All-Americans, Irish Rugby Tours is the tour operator of choice. Ireland's premier rugby tour operator gives you on-the-ground and local support. They have the best value around, and they can set you up with coaching sessions with top international coaches. They don't just send you on the tour and leave you alone. They make sure it all works out from the beginning to the end. Go to irishrugbytours.com to see the list of American teams that have enjoyed tailor-made packages from Irish Rugby Tours, or check out their ad on rugbymag.com. Don't you deserve a tour? irishrugbytours.com. All right, we're back on Rugby Matrix America. We want to shift gears a little bit. We wanted to talk a little bit about uh, college rugby and the ACRC. And uh, 
Bruce, especially you've been heavily involved in this. We talked a little bit about you uh, taking up the uh, position of uh, head coach at Iona College. And now this is sort of spread out into, you know, once you get there, you look around and say, well, what competition do we want to be in? Do we want to be in the Empire? Do we want to go Rugby East or something like that? And then, then that spills out. It, it expands into the question, what championship do you want to play for? What season do you want? And I think the seasonality, I mean, we, we've had the seasonality thing go on for a while. I mean, we, we had uh, we had Rich Polidal from uh, who was then coaching Army and uh, on to talk about seasonality. Um, I think he was doing it, going about it the wrong way because he was a kind of whining but b he, i think he was uh trying to get people who were never ever going to change their their viewpoint to change instead bruce it seems like you're just looking for like-minded individuals who say we want our season here for 15s and if we want to play sevens we want to play sevens here i tell you one of the things that i found being a part of college rugby different than men's rugby is that number one weaker teams in men's rugby would get in bed with USA rugby and try to destroy things. And that's what happens because they, they use politics, poly meaning many ticks, blood sucking creatures. One of my favorite things in what I found dealing with the college group is they want what's best for the players and they want what's best for the game. And they're not particularly worried about, whether or not there's a championship here, there, or wherever. So with the ACRC, what we're trying to do is really just say, hey, the weather is fantastic at this time of year, basically throughout the country, and we would love to have your teams and your conferences play, and we would, we would, you're in charge of your own conference, you're in charge of your conference champ, and when your conference champ is named – there's a playoff structure set to create a national champion based on competition in the fall. We would love to have everybody throughout the country participating. It is probably not likely that that'll be the case. Some of the teams start a little bit later in California, like they start in September, so they don't get the preseason that they normally get, you know, that they would they would like to have or they don't want to bring people in early. Um that's not any different than what happens in that's not any different than what happens in the in the fall with, in the spring with the uh, with the teams here. So you know I we could probably hope to get them in. We're not going to have minimum games. We're not going to do anything. And the other thing is that we're looking to have sevens in the spring. And and. One of the things Doc Jones said to me, which was, I never even thought of it because I wasn't involved in college rugby, is seventh season essentially starts with the Las Vegas Invitational, which is a massive tournament and an international tournament. Then it ends with the CRC, which is a 20-team tournament currently and also a massive invitational tournament. And in between, there's, you know, there's nothing. So the ACRC will probably have a... Uh, a sevens component there and it'd probably be sensible for USA rugby to move their championship into the spring. And the other thing that the ACRC conferences and leagues really don't care about is play in the fall and play D1A in the spring. If you want to play sevens in the spring, if you want to 
tour in the spring if you want to. Do nothing in the spring if you want to. Coach a high school team in the spring if you want to. Have your players play under 20s and take a semester off in the spring if you want to. There's so many things that you can do in the spring that if you want to be in the Varsity Cup or anything you want to do, you can do it. And I think that that's the way that rugby needs to go. Do what's best for you, and we're providing an opportunity when it's all equal for everyone to have a championship. That's it. And they can either participate or not participate, their own choice. We're going to do it. It worked well last year. It's going to be expanded upon this year. And it's going to be fantastic. And they teams can either get in it or not get in it. And that's fine. That's their own choice. It the, will not be hamstrung by USA Rugby. Well, the, the issue about the sevens, and, you know, we have to say that the CRC is owned by the same company that owns Rugby Mag. And we do have a promotional agreement with them and Rugby Mag produces the CRC event program. That's all, that's all stipulated. Um, the CRC is also a great tournament and it's on national television and it gets uh, a nice crowd uh, at a nice stadium. It's something that we haven't seen uh, produced by USA Rugby yet. And, you know, if USA Rugby produces something like that, we'd be very happy for them. But what happened was the CRC came, came out in, in 2010 and then had another one, a better one, in 2011. And then at the end of, of 2011, um, USA Rugby came up with a Sevens College National Championship. They were under a lot of pressure that, from the board. The, 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 the members of the Collegiate Committee were under a lot of pressure from the board to come up with a championship to compete with the CRC. They felt annoyed that the CRC existed. And then because they didn't want to be associated with the CRC, they chose to have that championship in the fall, in December. It's it, And be, because there's this desire not to be associated with the private organization that produces the CRC, USA Rugby's made a mistake. Um, I think that you know we've got this thing where we've got a whole bunch of teams playing 15s in the fall and a bunch of teams playing 7s. And teams being invited to a national championship in 7s and declining. Uh, I, you know, we talk about, we talk about weather, uh, Pat, you've been to two of the, the USA rugby sevens championships. I've been to two of them. Um, they try to put them in warm weather places. It's not warm. It's cold. It's December. Every, anywhere in the country, it's generally pretty cold. Uh, you know, they put it in a nice stadium this past year. Nobody was there. And I'm not, I, I don't want to run it down because I enjoyed the tournament. I mean, I, I enjoyed doing it. I thought they did a good job of trying to get it on online on ESPN3 and stuff like that. That's great. But why don't they see the logic of the fact that the CRC is already there and, and heavily established and won't move? Why can't they work with that? I think it's pretty simple. It's D1A. At USA Rugby, their biggest in, uh, investment – over the last several years, has been D1A. And so if your D1A season's in the spring, which was it existed before their national championships did, 
Um, and they picked that because that's when the Cows and BYUs were going to play and they weren't going to be pushed around. And that's who they kind of built D1A for is those top-notch clubs. Um, as long as USA Rugby's holding on to this ridiculous idea that D1A is necessary or beneficial or worth having um, and that it needs to be in the spring, uh, its national championship in sevens isn't likely going to move to the spring. Now, if they finally pull the plug on D1A when all the grant money runs out and they realize nobody gives a crap about being in it necessarily, um, that, then, yeah, maybe they can move their sevens championship. It's, it's, it's kind of an obvious answer that the sevens championship needs to be in the spring, especially with the advent of the ACRC and with it hopefully strengthening. Because then the largest body, the largest group of your Division One colleges will be playing fall 15s and looking for fall uh, spring sevens. The, the whole TV argument that we want to get rugby on TV, it needs to be in the spring. That's fine. That coincides with sevens being the better TV product. So anyway, I, you really can't argue for most of the country with fall 15s and spring sevens. And, and I, USA Rugby may or may not get in line with that. Um, we'll see. But I think the one part that you were missing, Alex, is D1A. Yep. No, you're right. And you you look at the stuff that's not moving, okay? Um, the USA 7s in February, I mean, it was in January this year, but it's 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 not moving. It's going to be in that, that generally that February window. And the LVI is part of that. That is a huge opportunity for a collegiate 7s tournament. It was kind of lesser this past year because partly because it was in January. But when it goes back to February, it's still going to be a big deal. That's not going to move. Varsity Cup, I don't think that's going to move because it's that's a new competition. Again, privately run. It's it's a Cal BYU vehicle with UCLA, um, Navy, all the, all the people who who say who hold up spring rugby and say spring rugby, that's it. They're in the Varsity Cup. Great. I mean, that's what that's what Bruce said. If you want to play in it, go ahead. And then the CRC is not going to move. So why wouldn't you say, we, whereas there's nothing to say that, um, you know, we have to do some, you know, we have to have D1A finish up at a certain spot. There's nothing to say that D1 rugby or any other thing has to be in a certain spot. But we know those things are not going to move and make use use that to make it better. You can make some kind of seventh championship in the spring uh, that would be a, a you know work, work with the CRC to say hey you know w- what if you say if the top two teams from this automatically in the CRC or something like that you can make that happen potentially I mean uh, there's enough bad blood and animosity I think between the two organizations that maybe you couldn't make it happen and there are people who work on the the USA Sevens national championships and some of the other college stuff for um, USA Rugby that would be willing to make that happen but yeah I don't know that. I mean, we're, we're talking about a bunch of different things here, but ultimately the teams need to decide what they want to do and what's best for them and what's best for those around them and what they think is best for, for college rugby to a certain extent. And I think that those teams are doing that. For a, a number of teams, 14 teams, they think that's being in the Varsity Cup. For another number of teams, they think it's being in the ACRC. And I think it's it's probably right for most of both of them. I mean, you could argue that, you know, University of Texas, why are you in the, CR, why are you in the Varsity Cup? You want to yes, you want to play towards this, but your realistic chance of you ever getting to the championship or any time in the near future is pretty low. So, uh, you know, why are you invested in that? But for a large number of those teams, um, 
you, you understand why they're in it and why they're investing in it. And that's great for them. And the ACRC, you can see why all those teams are doing what they're doing. So the, the, where it doesn't make sense and where the outliers are really are in California. And it's not, you know, the best teams in California, save St. Mary's, are playing in, in the Varsity Cup. What happens to St. Mary's? And, Bruce, I know you're interested in getting some of those teams involved. Are they going to be willing to make a full seasonal switch? I don't necessarily know. And I'm not saying that there can't be um, some solutions for them. But to say that it doesn't make things more difficult for them, there is a number of people it's going to make things more difficult for. But when you're making such a sea change, that's going to happen no matter what. I don't think I think uh, it's uh, I think there's more than just St. Mary's. But, yeah, I mean, California is a long, different, yeah, animal, yeah. different animal. Oh, the um, the ACRC is going to have a a collegiate tournament. That'll generally be held in May, and it'll be a sevens tournament, basically essentially a precursor to the uh, CRC, which everybody um, uses as their top competition. The St. Mary's or Santa Clara or, or teams like that, who I've spoken to about joining the the ACRC, lukewarm responses to to uh, you know, that's it. The best case, they start school late, and and that is something that is difficult for them. You know, assuming that school starts on January fifteenth, and I'll just use that as a date. It's it was thirty degrees today in New York, and yes, there were games played. I went to an AC game yesterday. It was so windy and so cold that the balls are just flying all over the place and they won 57 nothing to but they played a division 2 team and they should win 57 nothing should win 97 nothing but the um that's what that's what happened it and it hasn't been conducive to have a preseason so the difference between college rugby and men's rugby is that colleges tend to be a little bit less experienced, so they need a stronger preseason. And college ends very early due to graduations and finals. So you basically have to be done first or second week of May, <clears throat> first week of May preferable. So if you can play five weeks to a championship, what winds up happening is that you wind up having to have those two-game weekends multiple times. And those two-game weekends are quite irresponsible. I, I feel like change is conceivable on this, that you, we might actually see something different. But I think that it's not, it's not a change where, you know, if somebody is happy doing what they're doing, I, I don't feel like they're going to be stopped. And, I, and that's what makes me happy about it. If... if uh, Cal and BYU and UCLA and Central Washington and 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 Air Force and Navy all want to play in the Varsity Cup, then nobody's saying that they shouldn't. Nobody's saying there's something wrong with them because they want to do that. It's just that another group is looking at their season and saying, this is what makes sense for me. I'm going to play, I want to play 15s from September into December and then pick up sevens again in the new year. That's okay. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to take a break, and we'll be talking about the USA national men's team, the Eagles, 
right here on Rugby Matrix America. Hey fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. All right, we're back on Rugby Matrix America. This is Alex Scott from RugbyMag.com. Don't forget to check out Rugby Matrix on the iTunes store both the International and Rugby Matrix America, and you will, can also check out Rugby Magazine on your Apple Store. You can subscribe there, or you can also subscribe through RugbyMag.com. We are talking about the men's national team. They're going to go down to Uruguay, um, and this, always, this is always the case. The USA has to go through Uruguay to get to the Rugby World Cup, and the team that's uh, going there has been named guys what do we think about the team first of all i think it's a really strong team um i think it's great to see uh louis and hayden back in there bring you a lot of experience and a lot of um athleticism and and good players and, and i think that's a lot of caps um there i think that we're a little shallow in the front row but that's nothing out of the ordinary um and you know as as a guy who was coming into the game when z was such a, a stud. It's a little sad to see that he's his his American career is over, but I, I think that's not at the fault of the the American coaches, and and it is what it is. And there's there's great guys there to back him up. But I look at this team, and I think it's is probably the strongest they've been able to field in a long time, especially when you look at the 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 second row and, and the back rows that they're bringing. You're talking about Taku Nguenya not getting in. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, basically the story is apart from the fact I don't think he's been playing all that well. Um, and you look at the strike rate he's had for the USA in the last 11 games, three tries. It's nice. It's not great. Uh, but uh, also, he just he's not returning phone calls. He's uh, been asked if he wants to be available, and he doesn't say anything. So at some point, I think any coach at some point says, I'm not going to beg a player to go play for me. Yeah, absolutely. I can't disagree with that. Like I said, I'm a little sad to see him not be on the team because he's always been fun, and I love to watch him play. But um, yeah, I completely understand, and there's plenty of talent right there behind him. So it's not like the 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 Eagles are going to be going begging for for good wings. Bruce, is this you know is especially look at the 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 forward pack? Is this the best position forward pack we've had in a while? Because you know the the reason I say that is that it seems like. There's always something we're going through in transition, and maybe it's partly the coaches going in transition. But here we have, um, you know, Todd Clever is probably playing as well as he ha- ever has. I, you know, I think you'd say he's still in his prime. Scott Lavala is just entering his prime. Sam Winoa is in his prime. You have, uh, you know, a, pr- a pretty solid front row. You know, I, I, I don't know, some issues. Uh, Cam Dolan is um, entering in his prime and and we haven't even gotten to you know Hayden Smith or Lou Stanfield. Is this group of like second back row guys about as good as we've had? Yeah, there's no question about it. I I don't like not having a specialist seven, uh, especially if you need somebody off the bench to make something happen or somebody starting. I I probably would have taken Derek, but that's just I don't know what was happening in camp. I can't tell who was playing or how they were playing, but chances are I would have taken Derek. Um, I was a little surprised to see some shit in over him, by the way. just No, I, I would. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. 
Ooh, back, back, back up. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Assumption <laughs> is an animal. <laughs> that man, I saw right. him personally put out four AC players by himself before he went out. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> there's it, Every hit is a train wreck with that guy. <laughs> He's the man. <laughs> that guy was, belongs now, everywhere. Yeah, he, he's he's great. Now he's he's been playing. You know, he's played seven. He's played six. Is he a seven? Is he the the guy who's a, a seven? I mean, we know no, probably he's, the, he's, the he's a, he's a six. He's a he's six. A, All right. And, is, and and your starting your starting back row is probably Lavala, Dolan, and Clever. Uh, Clever probably at six. You gotta. You gotta but, and then not. But you're 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 right. You don't have that guy who just sort of scampers all over the field. I don't. I don't know the well. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened in camp, but I, my personal opinion is, given this team as is, I probably play Lavala, Samu, and Clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clever being at, at seven or, or six, and and Lavala being at six, probably play them left and right. I would put Samu at eight. And if they're gonna play this team, you've selected the team, then you you know you're going. If you're gonna take an experienced, hard-nosed grafting team, you put Stanfill in with uh, Hayden, and you go in and you. This is the if you're gonna be a tough guy, be a tough guy. You fight the so, war. It's, I mean, it's a war against Uruguay. That's, well, that's that's a very oh, good point. Because I'm not, but I have also I'm in a camp. I haven't spoken to anyone either outside of me and Phil Bailey and Mike Tolkien talking about nothing to do with the Eagles at all in any way, <laughs> not, and not any Bailey and I were talking about two rugby league games and Tolkien and I were talking about uh, him coming up and coaching at Iona camp. Cause they sent out the Iona schedule and him say, he goes, yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind going up there and coaching for three or four days. That was it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I did talk to Tolkien a little bit about it. And the thing that he said to me was, we're going to have our best eight guys on that in that forward pack. So that that oh, tells that, me that, that he looks he looks at personnel. And you're right. You I I automatically put in Dolan because Dolan's been playing well at eight. But to to start Dolan means that you sit Hayden Smith or Lou Stanfield. Let me let me um let me preface that. Part of the reason that Samu had to play at five was that we needed a presence at the number five second row, meaning the right-hand side lock takes a lot of pressure on the tight head prop. In the event that Hayden can handle that that pressure, then I would put Louie at number four. That's what I would do, but I haven't seen anything. Also, that said, and I hadn't spoken to Mike about this at all, but I had spoken to Bailey about it, and I was like, he goes, Bailey said it, he goes, what the hell's the difference between whether a guy plays eight or five or, or six or four? He goes, do it like you did with Denise when you played Denise at second row. He played second row when it, there's 10 scrums in a game. He played second row in the 10 scrums. Every other part of the game, whether it was a line out, a kickoff, or this, that, and the other, he was playing – number eight or, or, or back row player. He's like, so why couldn't, so if Samu plays second row, then he's playing second row in the 10 scrums that we're going to have. And then every other thing, kickoffs and lineouts and all these other things that we do, 
He's playing like a back row player. So what's what's the difference? Why can't we do that? You, we're smart enough to do that. We can do that. We're gonna do that. Okay, but but at scrum time, is is that's that's where you put those positions and you say this is why I want this guy at eight and this is why I want this guy at four or well, five or seven. It's, I mean, it's scrum it's, time. And hey, look, the scrum is it's it's a very you're not gonna get me saying that it's not a very critical and massive component of the game. But it is only part of the game. And there's a lot of other components of the game where players need to be stepping up and being and being counted. The restarts, having that five man tall back five, plus they have some pretty pretty big front rowers too. So that restarts are gonna be great. Lineouts are gonna be unbelievable almost unstoppable defense uh, is going to be fantastic striking an attack off of one-off runners is good they don't have any weak runners who's the weak guy they don't have any they don't have a guy that you're afraid at number nine to give him the ball because he's just gonna you know go a half a yard and fall on his butt so they have a lot of balance and and all they really have to do is just stabilize themselves in the scrum. And I don't I, – I know okay. that Uruguay Can has I... given us trouble in the past. The one problem that I have with this, we haven't uh, – you know what? We haven't gotten to that. There's no freaking – there's no money goal kicker on the team. Oh, yeah. That's a, no, that's an excellent point. Before we get that's there – That's the only I... thing because it's a point diff game. Okay. But I, I, that's a, I want to get there. I just have a question. You talked about scrums and lineouts. Um Tom Kulikan picked over Zach Fenolio. Fenolio has been playing well for Glendale this year. Uh, Bruce, you know Kulikan pretty well. What does he bring to the table? Why is he there? In your article, you had said that Kulikan was a was a way better scrummager. Well, no, I I, I implied that it. You that implied, you implied, right. you implied that. Um, yeah. Kulikan's biggest strengths are really is his lineout throw and and his and his loose play and his and his nous his scrummaging is good it, it it's 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 certainly not the greatest in the world but it's good and and i think that these new law changes are messing up all the hookers a little bit cuz none of these guys would have played in an era where they actually really had to strike so that's it, that could suit Tom pretty well. He struggles a little bit with hip flexibility and, and lower back stuff, so I don't I don't know. But he he really Tom's one of those guys. He 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 makes big plays when big plays are needed. Tom's gonna have to play really really well. I just I think that he's he's gotten an opportunity that now he has to back up the fact that he's gotten that opportunity. This is the biggest opportunity the players can be given. This is the one, this is the World Cup qualifier. This is the World Cup qualifier that they absolutely have to win. Canada was a nice one. Yes, it would have been great had we won it. This is the one where we absolutely have to win. All hands are on deck. All hands are focused. 
So in order for us to operate at our best level, our hooker is going to need to be on song. He's going to need to confidently strike the ball cleanly to the eight. He's going to need to be able to throw the ball in the line out perfectly. He's going to need to make his lifts in defensive lineouts. He's going to need to understand his role in defense and smacking people. And he's going to need to be an offensive threat. And that is something that I believe that he's going to handle quite well. And I hope that he handles it quite well. Because Zach has been a really good soldier for a really long time. Now, that said, Zach had had times where he hadn't improved much. But this last year, I think that the whole being on the Eagles more consistently, the PRP happening and a bunch of things really got him jazzed. This last year, he's gotten better. Tommy is a very good player and probably better than Zach, but he's also new to the setup. And he's going to have to bring what he has to bring to – I don't think it's good enough to be a little bit better than Zach now. Like, I think he's going to have to bring something that's a little bit special. Right, so that that speaks to the old thing of – the, you got to knock out the chain. Yeah, you you, you got to know you are. Uh, are you the best available, or are you an international level rugby player? Because it's, it's two different things. And, I, I think and, that the, I think that what it is now is does Tom want to be a great eagle? Mm-hmm. Is he going to be happy making the eagles, or does he want to be a great eagle? My hope, and I know him, and I'm really good friends with him, is that he wants to be a great eagle. So who, who's, who's going to be on either side of whoever plays hooker teal probably starts, but uh, who's going to be on either side. We've got uh, Wallace Fry, Lamas, and Khalifi looks to me like Wallace is probably your loose head. And the rest of the guys are battling to see if they're going to start it tight. I don't know. I don't know what Lamas has been playing at, at Saracens. If he's been playing in the ace in the A. Game not really. Play. There's not really any games there to play. So well, I'm sure he's training a bit. I don't know if he's playing tight head or what I would do is I'd play Wallace the whole game and play tight head by committee. Yeah. I, there's no difference between any of them. They all play the same. They're all kind of the same guy. Just play tight head by committee, play Wallace the whole game, and then do a mix and match if you have to. Uh, all right, so you made a point, Bruce, and it's true. You know, we, we the, this is very interesting because I've talked about goal kicking with Mike Tolkien a lot. He talks about how important it is. Um, Sean Davies was pushing to get himself either on the team or close to the team, partly because he was kicking so well for goal. Adam Siddle shows up and starts playing great and kicking for goal, won a game with a, with a, with a kick. Uh, he's got post-concussion uh, symptoms, which is why he's not on the team. So he's not there. Davies is not there. And suddenly we're looking around and, and we're back to uh, Chris Wiles being the, the really the only goal, guy who uh, kicks goals. That's kind of a concern. No, Kulikin's a great goal kicker, actually. I forgot to tell you that. 
Seriously? No, I'm only kidding. Because <laughs> because we know we know we know props and locks can kick, but uh, hookers, you know, they're too busy, you know, controlling the rest of the game. Kicking is just not going to happen. Hey, Mike Toffel for uh, Glendale a couple of years ago. I remember him. Yeah, he was a pretty good kicker. I think he made a penalty, a pretty uh, long range penalty John, against Olympic Club. John Eels was world class. Yeah, uh, Jean Pratt for uh, France. Uh, you know, at Alan Martin for Wales. Oki Geffen for uh, South Africa back in many, many years ago. Uh, so is this is this a tactical error on Mike Tolkien's part not to have picked even someone like Joe Cowley to be on this squad simply because he can kick goals? No. no. There's, Joe Cowley's not good enough to supplant any of the other back three guys, point blank period. And Sean Davies isn't good enough to, to be on the field over Mike Petrie. Well, we know that. That right. But well, what's the point of having a money goal kicker on your bench if you think he's yeah. probably going to be on your bench? Your money so goal kicker has to be on the field. Yeah, and I don't right. think that there is a money right. goal kicker. So so you're not keeping him in reserve wearing number 23 so that uh oh. um you know, it, it's a close game and you need a kick and you bring him on. No, you generally don't have a close game where you need a kick that you bring a guy on. Yeah. I would uh it, no. asking. All right. the, one, the one place I think it's arguable is, and I was going to bring this up with TT, but, you know, I think that, I think Sean Davies isn't that much, I don't know, I, let's, let me rephrase, I don't think Robbie Shaw is that much better than Sean Davies to where uh, Sean Davies maybe shouldn't have been more seriously considered. I don't think he's that much better. He's obviously older, and Sean Davies might be, you know, after this World Cup, you could see Petri and, and, and Robbie Shaw not being involved whatsoever, so... I think for the future, it, it wouldn't have hurt to have Sean Davies on the field, and I don't think that, that Shaw is that much better. And I would have said the same thing about, you know, we're talking about who to start and playing tight head by committee. I would give the nod to TT because, A, he's younger than Eric Fry, and, B, I don't think if there is a gap, there's much of one, and the upside's considerably more high, or considerably higher with TT. I think the upside with Sean Davies is, is higher than Robbie Shaw. So that's the only argument where I think you could have made, made some room for a money kicker. I think that I think that right now, they know they're going to win. They're going to win. They are actually they're they're actually going to win fairly. They're going to win and they're going to win fairly comfortably. I think that Davies is puts Davies. Um, Shaw has played in games where we where the opposition has been similar to a little bit better than Uruguay, and has had lights out performances. Whereas Petri tends to play better against better teams. Shaw tends to play better against teams that aren't that aren't as good. It, certain guys just it, some guys just are like that. Some guys play lights out against teams that aren't that good because you know they they have good skills. They're used to playing and practicing and doing. And some guys just need to play tough competition to thrive. And I don't know what it is or why it is or, you know, some guys just are like that. And Shaw happens to be one of those guys who plays lights. I mean, didn't he play that Russia game in Romania? Do you think Shaw or, might start one of these two games? Oh, he might. Sure. I would. I mean, I I don't think he's going to start in Uruguay because I think Uruguay is a tough place to play. And fans-wise, they throw bottles at you. They throw things. So – the idea being that um, 
Petri or Shaw or somebody, a certain lineup might be able to handle a negative environment in Montevideo better than another player. Um, you know, I, I could I could see you also the argument that Shaw's been playing. Petri has not really been playing. You know what the reality is this, Alex, when I really look at it, the team is very even through the team. Everybody is relatively steady, relatively trustworthy, and someone where they kind of know they're going to get a budgeted performance. They took known quantities. They took known entities. They took trusted personnel. They know that when they go down there, they'll have their game plan in, scrum, line out, restarts, defense, attack. They're going to be on song. They're going to play simple. They're going to play direct. They're going to be confrontational. They're going to use quick ball. And they're going to out-tough them and out-skill them. And they're just going to hope that they don't get beat on goal kicking and scrummaging. And that's going to be it. Because to a man, they're better. And where the Uruguayans may be a little bit better is they may have a slight edge in the scrum. But if we can stabilize and win a quick ball and, and use it, you know, a quick ball to Samu coming around <laughs> coming around the corner, or a quick ball to, to Dolan or whoever's playing eight coming around the corner, it's still going to be pretty tough. And, uh, yeah, I don't... Okay, um, here's your starting lineup. See if, see if you agree. I have one hole in it. Uh, Wallace, Teal, Fry, with your... Uh, tight head prop by committee, but Fry starts because he's the most experienced. Stanfield, Smith, Clever, Lavala, Manoa. Petri, or possibly Shaw, but probably Petri. Lestrange at 10. Left wing, Maupin. Inside center, Andrew Suniula. Right wing, Blaine Scully. Fullback, Chris Wiles. Outside center. Is it Seamus she- Kelly or Falau Niua, or do I have that wrong? I absolutely love Seamus Kelly more than anybody in the world. Falau's got to start at outside center. Falau is Falau is he's he's a he's a money player. Falau has been the guy who's played lights out. Yeah, like I said, I love Seamus more than anybody. I mean, I love the guy. The only change I'd make is TT in for Eric Fry. Yeah, I Eric on form. And I don't know how long in an Eagle jersey. So that's the only change I'd make. And I think TT is a very dynamic ball carrier. But I think that Bruce is dead on with the outside center question. Yep. I will tell you one. There's a couple things. Knowing, knowing, knowing them, uh, my gut feeling is that they will select Samu at five. Yep. As as much as I know that he's such a tempting player to select at eight, I do think that they'll select him at five at least in the first test. And just put, so that put there's Smith on the bench. Smith, um, he's, I'm not. He's no, they. Him. I could see them selecting Smith at four. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I don't. I could see them putting Louis on the bench and putting Cam at eight. Yep. I think that they'll like in that in that line out line out. Line up. In that line up and line out, they will like Cam and his aerial ability in line out 
kickoff, kick receipt, kick receipt from, you know, from uh, kicks from hand in, in general play if they drop their eight. I think that those are things that they would enjoy Cam being part of. And I think that down there, that might be the case just to neutralize the scrum as best they could. I almost certainly believe that they're going to start Falau over Sheamus, especially since Sheamus didn't go to that camp because Cal wouldn't let him out of uh, playing whatever game they had to play. Um, and that's, that would be what I think will happen. Um, as far as the, the tight head prop, they're going to – Oliver's been with Justin, so he's going to be happy with him. The um, the other two, he hasn't been around as much. They're going to play whoever's scrummaging the best. I'm sure that they know by now, but they're going to play whoever's scrummaging the best. And whoever that guy is will play. I, ver- I agree with you that Wallace will play, and I think the Teal will play. But uh, yeah, nah, you got it right. Oh, it's 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 a good. Who you have with the other it's... wing? I mean, I know you had Mount, but who's the other wing? Scully. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, I know. I I think actually, overall, looking at this, it is a very good team, and it's a it's a good group of players who are, for the most part, are in the middle of their best period of play. And, and I think these that... guys start. If these guys can scrummage. Oh. If these guys can out scrummage them, I mean, it's going to be you could be putting fifty and sixty on them. Yeah. And if they start scrummaging legitimately, the Eagles' Achilles' heel is gone. And if they could scrummage and kick goals, then they become a then Scotland better watch out. Well, they you know what this this group of players, if they play well together. If they if they play as a unit, which is one of the biggest issues that we've had with the national team, is that they should be thinking about moving way up in those rankings instead of lounging around at eighteen or seventeen or whatever it is. Hey, we should be talking about ten. This That's team, where they should be. This team can move way up in those rankings. This team is very good, and with a little TLC to the front row, which I think they've been getting. I mean, Bailey has told me that. that Justin Fitzpatrick is a fantastic coach. He really loves working with him, and he really has a lot of respect for him. So I'm just going on Bale's word. I met Justin a few times, but I don't, I couldn't say I know him very well. Bailey told me he's awesome. And so if they get a little TLC up front and those guys start operating in that in that pack together, well, game on, baby. Now we're looking at some serious stuff. Once they get a pla- – if these guys can actually get a, a reliable platform to operate from, Sunyu is a tough guy to deal with. Falau is a tough guy to deal with. You know, then um, Toby and Wiles and and and, and Malpin and, and Hume, Malpin and Hume will probably do a committee there and then, and then Scully, and that could be some serious business there. That that's something that could be very exciting. I like it. I like it. So the USA plays Uruguay in Montevideo, as we said, a very 
inhospitable place to play. They've done it before. They've lost there before, only once, but they did lose. Uh, and that will be uh, at 4 p.m. local time on March 22nd. That is one hour ahead of Eastern time, so 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And then a week later, they take on Uruguay in the return leg. And if you can get down to... Kennesaw State University and see them play in Atlanta, I would suggest you do that. And that game will be held on the 29th. Kickoff for that game will be 3.30 Eastern time in Atlanta. Uh, and that will be, I believe, on Universal Sports. And we'll be there giving you live coverage from RugbyMag.com. I'm giving my prediction now. My prediction is two 15-plus point victories. And the reason 15-plus points is so important is that if you score 15-point victories against your opposition, the IRB gives you – they know exactly how many points you'll go up or down in your IRB rankings before the game, whether if you win by less than 15 points. You can't go up if you lose. But if you win by more than 15 points, they give you 1.5 times. So if you were going to go up one point in your rankings, like you go from 67 to 68, you'll go from 67 to 68.5. So I'm going to give the U.S. two 15-point victories to allow them to go up the rankings one and a half times what they would get if they had done it uh if they had done it just one shot i think that's good actually but they they could add yeah they could add as much as a yeah they could add as much as a point because they're actually fairly close in rankings so they could add, add as much as a point by winning by over 15 um in uruguay and and that would get them they're at 18 right now, and that that would push them close to getting past Romania uh, for 17. And if they did that again the next week, then they would be past Romania and right behind Georgia, a team they've already beaten. Um, and what they need to do, though, they do that um, and then follow on that with with a good campaign the rest of the year. If they start recording those victories then they can suddenly jump up. I mean, it's, suddenly it starts going like a point, a point and a half, two points, and suddenly you look around and realize that you're uh, you're ranked 11th, uh, which I think they can do. I think they can get to 10 if they play well. But right now they're at 18. Um, yeah, I, I I like it for more than 15, actually. I think I I think we, at home we might see 20, 25 winning margin. Me three. 25 in Uruguay on the low end, and if they do that, depending on how they select, I think that they'll win by 40 plus at home. All right, they're ready to break out. I know I've said that. How long have I said they're gonna have their breakout game for like five years now? I think they're gonna have it. That's good. They're really, really ready to break out. All right, well, we got to break out too. Uh, we're very much appreciate you listening and uh. Don't forget to check out Rugga Matrix America and Rugga Matrix International on RuggaMatrix.com. Check out RugbyMag 
Com for all your news and the ongoing previews, analysis, and game-breaking information for the Eagles and the everything else. And thanks again for listening to Rugga Matrix America. Mm-hmm.